hosted by Jason Bryan and providing the latest insights on telecoms trends from around the world. This is Rocco Radio. Welcome to Rocco Radio. I'm Jason Bryan and you're listening to The Big Interview. These days, roaming is front of mind for mobile operators. As we consider the global economic impact which COVID-19 has introduced, and the effects it will have in the coming years to travel trends and roaming. It's clear roaming relationships are more important than ever. So while the industry considers its next move, many MNOs will be using this time to get ahead on the rollout of 5G roaming services for their subscribers. Recently, Diraj and I had the opportunity to interview Vice President Product Management Mobile Services at iBasis, Chris Leonards. In his interview, Chris discusses IPX services in the context of 5G roaming and how roaming teams are getting acclimatized to the challenges and opportunities it brings. The 5G non-standalone architecture gives operators the unique capabilities to do that. So there are actually no technical challenges in launching roaming at the same time. So it's mostly a commercial or a slightly operational decision. So get started early with 5G roaming as the 5G market is moving much faster than 4G roaming has developed. So it's a pleasure to be here in London. Uh, Diraj Wazir is with me. Hi, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here in iBase's offices in sunny London, although it was snowing this morning, but it's still always sunny. Yeah. No, it's a real pleasure, and we're here with Chris Lennertz, who is Vice President, Product Management, Mobile, and iBasis. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jason Raj. Uh, welcome in our new iBasis office. It's an honor to have you here, and it's an honor to stand in front of the microphone again. <laughs> yeah, the last time we had a very insightful discussion about IPX-related stuff, and here we are again. Obviously in a state of shock after the WAS meeting was cancelled. Oh, yeah, I was almost in a state of shock, but the good thing is I can now uh, easily celebrate my 50th birthday, which was exactly in that week, but I've do it to somewhere else, though. Oh, that's awesome. So it's, it's a real pleasure to speak to you, Chris, and I know that you've been, as a company, of course, appearing in, in Rocco's research. Last year, we had the IPX underperformance, and it was great to see you again in the Tier 1 status, and I wondered what you thought to that and what the company thought about this uh, this position? Well, we were very happy again. I mean, the first time we were very happy that we were a tier one and the second time that we remained tier one and the third time we were thinking, yes, it's great <laughs> to be here again. So the challenge for us is now to remain tier one for for as long as you guys keep, keep doing this. But it's also uh, our reaction was with excitement, but also with customer empathy because we've been rated as a tier one for the last three years and our overall score has gone up to, to during that period. So our customers have been rated us for liability and industry expertise and even honored us, if I'm correctly remembering, with the highest rating on trust. Yeah. But as these are challenging times for mobile operators and our basis, we as a company need to continue to understand our customers' current and future business needs and, and the challenges in IPX. So that's where the, the empathy comes in. Day in and day out, we have to listen and really understand the issues and problems. And be an enabler for growth as a, as a trusted partner in, as the industry keeps evolving to next year, again, be the most trusted IPX vendor in your research. <laughs> That's the biggest challenge, isn't it? To, to stay on top. That's what we work towards. No, it's been interesting for us because we've been doing this research now. This is, will be our seventh year doing IPX research. And I think when you get consistent results like that at the top, it does 
send a very good message about a vendor. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. We're not going to seem to reduce the amount of IPX in the market like like happened with GRX because a lot of operators have got their own businesses involved in that. You know, it, it's still a lot of competition in the market, I would say. So very well done on that. But we're here today more to talk about 5G and the exciting new world we're entering. It's going to affect wholesale roaming teams, how we do roaming in the future in terms of quality, I think, very much so. iBasis are involved in developing 5G roaming solutions, isn't that right? That is correct. I mean, 5G is very important to us because, again, it's a, it's an, it's, it's a disruption in the market, just like 4G was. And we, as a technology company that want to be there first, decided to tackle this, this head-on. One question I'm going to throw at you, it's a bit of a blinding question, but an IPX is really, they were born with 4G roaming. So with 5G roaming, how is that going to evolve? What, what are you going to do above and beyond what you did for 4G, for 5G? Is it, is it a whole new suite of services, value-added services, etc.? Well, it's interesting that you ask. Uh, one, one thing that we did in 4G when we went from SS7 to diameter was to take that disruption and, and help the operator go through that. So one of the things that 5G will bring is, again, the same thing because we're going from diameter to HTTP2. But that's only one dimension of the disruption that we're going through. We're also looking at the URLCC and the massive IoT uh, requirements with low latency and, and high quality, which is different than what we've seen before. So we will also need to be a lot more innovative and stringent on quality and delay. Maybe the home-rooted model is something that we need to look at so such that we have more heterogeneous solutions for the various applications that we will see, especially in the URLCC and a massive IoT case. The whole security issue will become more and more important. With the influx of all these devices for massive IoT, there will be a great danger for security. So we'll have to look very closely on how the IPX as a layer around the international business, if you will, of an operator, will be there as a protection mechanism against all the threats, if you will, from outside. In terms of roaming and the relationship a, a mobile operator will have with their IPX is only going to increase from here. Yes, it will. In what ways do you think that roaming has evolved in the last five years? Well, five years ago, people were worried that retail roaming would disappear with Roam Like Home regulation and OTT players taking over the main services like voice and SMS. But now the landscape has changed, but it, it has been an evolution and not really a revolution. As long as mobile operators provide high-quality and cost-effective roaming services to internationalize their mobile experience, customers will continue to, to pay for roaming because that's, that's what they use to at home. Um, and since many roaming services are integrated as part of a domestic service and, and roaming is just an extension of what you get at home, customers have basically consolidated their satisfaction ratings so that MNOs have to have high-quality experience on domestic and visited networks and not just focus on the domestic experience. Because 5G subscribers are very probably customers that will have high-end phones, will travel a lot, and they will be used to quality and they will expect quality. So the only way to keep churn low and keep high customers is to have excellent roaming partners. But one other area is also the explosive growth of enterprises and their digital transformation. Many enterprises have IoT devices that get distributed around the globe and their usage patterns span country borders. 
So with both situations, roaming is a key element to make these access services work. But from a very practical perspective, what we have mainly seen in the last five, let's say three years, especially since Rome Like Home came about, is the sentence that we use every day is doing more with less. Traffic has exploded, complexity has increased, requirements have accumulated, but budgets have been stabilized or even shrunk. So we as our basis, we love that kind of stuff. We, we have been a, a wholesale voice company for years. We have been used to that kind of situation for years. And we really perform best when circumstances are tough. So I would say when tough going gets tough, the tough get going. <laughs> and what would you say coming out of 5G roaming specifically would this the biggest challenge that you see in terms of advancing 5G roaming? I think it's just a matter of doing it, actually. So waiting too long. And yeah. And yeah, I think waiting too long is your biggest enemy. And early 5G subscribers are more likely to have higher RP customers and, and travel internationally. So these customers, as I said, expect to roam onto a 5G network while traveling and look for higher levels of quality of experience after spending, what, $1,000 on a 5G device and, and having heard stories about URLCC that is so fantastic with a low, low latency, they really expect higher quality than, than there is now. And then there is a huge media hype around 5G and this will create even higher expectations from both consumers and businesses. So 4G roaming is established and mostly complete, but for example, faulty roaming is just starting to ramp up globally and you guys know that because you have, you have made an, an effort to accelerate that and, and we did as well. And so operators need to consider 5G roaming sooner rather than later and not find reasons to not do that because it's all about user experience. Unfortunately, 3GPP, the standardization body, has done us all a favor by providing the non-standalone architecture that bolts on basically a 5G radio to a 4G core. So that means that the existing 4G roaming interconnect services can be used to support 5G roaming initially. So actually, there's no real reason to wait. Wait along at your own peril, as large multi-country operators have already begun 5G roaming in terms of non-standalone has eliminated the technical challenges normally found in new generation of roaming, unlike 4G, which had new core from the start. If you don't do it, I would say your local competitors will. Uh, so we're all ready, and I would say start the marketing and please your customers. And so bearing that in mind, who is the operators, let's say, who are making the greatest advancements in 5G roaming today? I see the most official activity in South Korea traditionally mm -hmm. and, and the US. So we've seen Korea Telecom and LG Plus and SK making advancements with some even announced commercial roaming agreements. And actually, we are already transporting the traffic over, let's say, the 4G core, because as I said, it's part of the existing IPX. And we, of course, saw also Vodafone launch 5G domestically and also in the next number of countries and is allowing 5G roaming of customers within the Vodafone property. So it's also happening in Europe and the US is also starting. So let's say the usual suspects are starting this yeah. already and have started it. Based on your experience with 5G roaming and what's been going on and you've been studying this area, what, what is the question you're most tired of hearing on 5G? And what would you say about it so you never have to answer that question again? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> it's a bit early to have that kind of uh, talk already, but there is one question indeed that I hear a lot, both internally and externally, and that is what I think of the fear that retail and wholesale roaming will disappear with 5G because of the need of ultra-low latency services, and roaming is simply not an option anymore. If you have a use case where you have to go down to a delay of one millisecond, for example, with, with connected cars or, or yeah. microsurgery, that means that taking the traffic home or to any other country where you have, what, 150, 100 milliseconds delay is simply not an option anymore. And you have to work with edge computing to make that actually happen. And, and people think that is representative for all traffic and all use cases and all roaming. And that's simply, that's simply not true. It's, it's what I said before. We will see a complex, heterogeneous coexistence of all kinds of applications and use cases, which will require a variety of solutions to make it work, including local routed and home routed traffic. And it will all start with EMBB, the, uh, which is enhanced mobile broadband, which is simply nothing more than making what we have today even faster. And the URLCC, the ultra reliable low latency communications, will have use cases where an ultra low latency will need to happen. But then the question is, do you need to take that from roaming or do you do that in a more local scenario? So I don't think it's a threat. It's just an opportunity for us to innovate the roaming business. So Chris, do you envision that when we move to 5G, you basically the current model of home routing will completely move on to LBO, a local breakout scenario? No, I don't think so. I think that depends on the level of control that the operator wants to have on the traffic and need to actually keep it keep it local. So, for example, if you have a self-driving car application where the actual allowed delay is up to a couple of milliseconds and taking the traffic back home is not even an option, that is an isolated situation where the local operator and the home operator need to find a solution for it together with the car manufacturer or the overall communication service provider. But that is one of the many cases that we'll see. So I think there will be a peaceful coexistence of, of all models as long as the one that is controlling the traffic gets the signaling and can actually bill for and police the traffic where necessary. But the actual payload will have to go wherever the use case demands it to. And that will be a a coexistence of home-rooted and local broken-out traffic. Do you think the industry is kind of ready or in position to take handle that kind of complexity? And right now, uh, even with, especially in the wholesale scenario, you know, people still struggle just to sell data, voice and SMS. And then with data having all this external, you know, additional complexity, which obviously the, as the technical model changes, so do the commercials behind it. So uh, what, do you, what would your advice be to kind of mobile operators? How do they deal with this? What seems to be becoming, going to become a very complicated area? I think we're not ready for that yet because we as an industry have been pretty conservative, but I think we will solve it. I think 5G will be driven by new applications because as I said before, we've seen that 5G adoption is going a lot quicker than 4G. So it will happen whether we are ready or not. So we, we will be made ready it's a great opportunity for us to innovate because the home-rooted model and all the billing models and the charging models have been adopted from many years ago and we are very comfortable keeping it that way. But if the market forces us to do it differently, we should embrace the opportunity for both technical and commercial innovation. So let it come, I would say. One of the interesting things I was hearing about 5G, isn't 5G 
just about Internet of Things, isn't it? The, the, the latency is needed for that. This is a common misconception that people have that there's no benefit, let's say, to actual consumer subscribers. What other common misconceptions do you think people have about 5G? I think it depends on who you ask. If you would ask the man in the street, he or she would probably say it's just more speed. And do I really need that? But they ask that with every new G. Because I think there's a flying wheel construction where if you give somebody more speed, uh, somebody will find out an application that actually uses it. And if you look at some use cases in, in South Korea with augmented reality and virtual reality and three-dimensional stuff and holograms, people will find out a new video application that really does require one gigabit per second. 5G is not only about speed, even though a lot of people think that. 5G is also about massive IoT and massive more density of devices. And that is so complex, even though those, those devices don't use a lot of bandwidth. There's a lot of security things and, and device management stuff that needs to be arranged such that the operator can finally tap into the enterprise aspect of 5G because I've seen business cases where the return on investment for 5G without looking at the enterprise sector is, let's say, roughly 15 years. But if you take into consideration that there is a huge B2B opportunity, it could, could go down to, let's say, 10 years. And that's where the URLCC and the massive IoT and the private 5G network aspect comes to play. Because one of the other misconceptions in 5G is that it doesn't work in an indoor environment. But I see more and more private LTE and private 5G players coming up that say, I want to have my own 5G network within an airport mm -hmm. or within my car uh, manufacturing plant to replace Wi-Fi. And that's a totally different dimension of doing 5G than before. And that is a part of the enormous opportunity for enterprises and, and MNOs to work together to, to create that. So I think there's a, there's a huge opportunity that we haven't even come up, uh, that come up to see yet. And the international aspect, of course, is very interesting. So if, if an airport wants to have its own uh, 5G network. And there are a lot of travelers. That means that the IPX plays an enormous important role to connect that airport to the rest of the world because there will be thousands and thousands of travelers each day demanding fantastic connection. In fact, you reminded me of something I saw on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, which was somebody basically taking out a 5G transmitter from a suitcase and setting it up for their own personal use in an office. What effect would you say IoT and M2M roaming has made on 5G roaming in terms of its design and how it's been thought out? Oh, in one word, I would say complexity, which is good, by the way. Um, IoT and M2M are going to greatly expand the number and type of wholesale tariff models between operators as well as, as uh, other business models and, and, and technical models. Things like NB-IoT, they have a number of options for transporting data over networks. And it could be over signaling, could be over data. And it will be interesting to see how many of these will actually make it to the market. Businesses are going to demand SLAs, uh, even when devices are roaming, because at this point in time, that's not the case yet. I know there's been a lot of discussions on that, but uh, it, will, it will have to happen for URLCC and the enterprise opportunity to materialize. And over time, IoT usage is going to grow very rapidly and, and be an ever-increasing slice of the pie for the operator's revenue and profitability. 
So enterprises, and particularly multinational corporations, they live in a borderless world and they will lean on 5G roaming as a fundamental option to achieve their digital goals. So I think the advent of IoT and M2M will be an essential piece of 5G and will change both its commercial as its uh, technical complexity. What is one piece of practical advice you would give to someone starting out in 5G roaming? I would say when you first deploy 5G domestically, consider deploying 5G roaming at the same time or very soon after to show customers that you are really serious in upgrading the user experience end-to-end, literally. As user experience doesn't really end at the border, does it? The the 5G non-standalone architecture gives operators the unique capabilities to do that. So there are actually no technical challenges in launching roaming at the same time so it's mostly a commercial or a slightly operational decision so get started early with 5g roaming as the 5g market is moving much faster than 4g roaming has developed and 5g roaming before volte roaming no i would start with faulty roaming first that has been due too long you you spoke about you know security chris and also about you know private networks and do you see in this new scenario where there are multiple smaller private networks and it's just not mobile operators offering the service, does that have a big impact on security in your, in your opinion? Well, I think it does because it means there are more entities that have to be protected, uh, but also more entities that can create a source of fraud or insecurities. And if you have a whole range of devices uh, running across the network or the globe, that is a threat to somebody who wants to use them to harm or the mobile operator or the device or the enterprise behind it. So I think as more entities come into the market, so not only more players, but also more devices and more use cases that will make the world so complex that somebody will find a way to abuse that because nothing is standard anymore and nothing can be protected in a standard way. So I think one of the roles of the operator can be as a neighbor of this whole new ecosystem to play that role of, 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 of gateway to protect customers and devices um, all at the same time. What are some of the ways iBasis are making a difference in this new 5G world? Well, it comes all down to the slogan that we have adopted when we're acquired by Tofan, which is be there first. We were there first when 4G came along, and we will be there first again with 5G. So we are working with mobile operators to accelerate their 5G plans. From thought leadership, uh, technical consulting, even strategic outsourcing and cloud-based value-added services, we will be the strategic partner to smoothen the 5G journey for an operator because they are putting a lot of money into 5G. They're struggling with roaming because the, um, the, the the budgets are stabilizing and the, the roaming revenues have been compromised. So they need a partner to help them with the complexity that I mentioned before and on how to manage that. If there are going to be heterogeneous solutions for a whole range of new applications, somebody needs to take ownership of that and solve that for them or with them. Again, as I said, operators are continually being asked to do more with less and and we have global reach and and the scale that we have can be used to augment the operator's own local resources when they are being pulled in so many different directions like Volti and IoT and 5G all happening at the same time. Do you have case studies or trials happening on 5G roaming at the moment? What we'll be doing is 
to launch a commercial service for 5G roaming signaling. So when when we launched the 4G signaling roaming product called LTE Signaling Exchange in 2012, I think, we'll be doing the same right now, but then not for diameter, but for HTTP2, such that we make a smooth transition from SS7 to diameter to HTTP2. But at the same time, we're already doing or transporting a lot of commercial 5G roaming traffic for those operators that have the non-standalone architecture, especially in, in, in Vietnam and, and South Korea. But of course, our roadmap consists of a lot more than that. We are looking into uh, local breakout architectures. We are looking into enhancing our security proposition to be able to, to, for the operator to be able to really focus on the massive IoT but in such a way that all the other businesses and consumers and devices are being protected. Because we have seen that SS7 and Diameter were, by design, not very secure. And HTTP2 is a little bit better, but still we think there's a lot of opportunity to close the network down to all the threats, such that especially the enterprise can work more closely together with the operator in a safe and secure way, because that's what they will be expecting. Is that like a signaling firewall or...? Well, security is a is, a, is a, a broad thing, but we'll start with a firewall that works across all signaling protocols. So it's not only SS7 and diameter and HTTP2, but also the GTPC signaling within the data is also very important to protect. Uh, one other step could be looking at uh, network intrusion, looking at DDoS prevention, or even just looking at how vulnerable a, an operator already is. Because if we see all their signaling, we can tell them if they have already big or small threats and what the level of protection should be. What plans do iBasis have for the rest of the year coming up, the, the famous 2020 that everybody's been anticipating all these years? Uh, well, the first thing that we launch is, is the signaling exchange for 5G. And then shortly afterwards, we'll also launch the uh, whole protection suite for uh, for securing the network as a whole, not only for 5G, but for all different Gs. Of course, we'll, we'll also look into the, the local breakouts and uh, the, the, the multitude of scenarios that there will be for handling the traffic. And then we're talking also about policy control and, and all kinds of other things. It was a real pleasure to be here in London with you, Chris. Thank you very much for your time. We look forward to seeing you at whatever future event and where we'll all be allowed to attend again. Yeah, thank you. I look forward to that. And thank you for interviewing me. And uh, you're all invited for our next customer event. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Look out for more big interviews in the coming weeks. If you're an MNO, you might be interested in taking part in our IPX Network vendor benchmarking research that we do every year. The survey this year includes questions on 5G and... Well, as usual, lots of insights into the vendors in the market. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan and you've been listening to The Big Interview with Rocco Radio.